Hello, brown girls. Welcome back to Brown Girl Power Hour. I am your co-host, Candace. And I'm your co-host, Ciara. And brown girls, as always, it is such a pleasure. We are here for another episode, and we have a lot to talk about. So, Candace, we're going to just go ahead and jump in today's brown girl banter. So, a lot of great things have been happening, you know, and... I find that it's really important to recenter yourself and take a pause to just sit back and look at life for a second. Sit back and ask yourself, what do I want to do? Schedule out that little time for you to just focus on you. I have really been taking the time to recenter myself every night. And I'm doing this because I have some major accomplishments that we're going to talk about later on in the episode, but it is so important. And I found that I'm in such better moods when I take the time out to get myself back right. So I'm a Libra and, you know, I don't know how many of you brown girls may think about, you know, astrology and things, but I'm a Libra and we're the scale. And after a good day, a bad day, my tail is just my scale is just a little off. And I like to be balanced. I like to, you know, be in my equilibrium. And so to center myself and to recenter myself, I normally take time and I read a book and just kind of tune the world out and allow myself to get back right. Candice, do you recenter yourself? Girl, I have to recenter myself like 50 times a day. I pack my schedule. Like I, I like to feel productive, so packing my schedule at the end of the night does make me feel accomplished if I do the things that are on my schedule, which I have been, so it's been making me feel good. But because it's so packed, I can kind of go into like a tailspin sometimes, and I have to take a moment and breathe and quiet myself down because at the end of the day, it's a skill that you practice, and anytime I remember to practice it, I want to do it. So... Because I obviously you want to build up the endurance so you can be centered for longer periods of time. So, I mean, some indicators that trigger me to realize that I am out of center is it's when I start to multitask and I feel like a weight on my chest. When I like multitasking for one isn't a good thing to do. I know it makes us feel like we're doing more, but in reality, check the stats. You're not. <laughs> Um, or if I'm like, if I start checking my phone more often, when I know I have something to do, I know I'm trying to distract myself and therefore I'm not centered because I like, whatever it is I'm doing is causing me some anxiety or some stress that I want to move away from it. Why are we the same person? Really? Like why? Sometimes, you know, we are so, so similar. It's scary. Because same, everything you just said, same, like scrolling on your phone and just like ignoring what you have on your list is like the number one way that I distract myself. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's hard. But like you, I've been working on recentering myself, like when I catch myself in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. We get out of center. Well, let me speak for myself. I get out of center a lot during the day. Like I just said, it's 
it's still a practice for me. So I, I don't want to be overwhelmed with anxiety. Whatever I'm doing, I want to feel joy doing it. And even if it's solving a problem, I want to feel like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of like a puzzle. Let's just try to figure it out and not feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't figure this out, I'm probably going to get fired and then go into negative self-talk, which is another indicator that you're out of center. If you're not feeling safe or in your head, you're now talking very negatively to yourself, that should probably be an indicator. You should take a step back and do something that centers you. For example, for me, what centers me is going for a walk. I'll play with my dog for a little bit, or I'll sit up straight and make sure my spine is straight. I'll put my hands over my heart and I'll just breathe really deep, like belly conscious breaths where your stomach expands and like just breathe in and out very slowly through your nose. And I'll do that until I feel calm again. Just being thankful for the moment that I'm in and just being thankful for my body for doing all the work, you know, like it's doing it and it's killing it. You just have to remind yourself of that sometimes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that wholeheartedly. I really, really like that you physically do something to recenter yourself, like physically taking the quiet moment that you need and like making that space and sitting up straight and breathing to your belly because those are, you know, ways to biologically calm your body. Mm -hmm. You know, the more oxygen you're taking in, the more, you know, oxygen your cells have, the calmer your blood can get. When you start to panic, you're using too much carbon dioxide. You know, you're putting out too much and you're not breathing. You're not breathing in enough. Think about it. When you're panicked, you're like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. those are shallow breaths and you're not giving your body what it needs. And so then your cells start to panic and then you start to get in a frenzy. And so when you take in those deep, deep breaths, you're telling your body, I'm giving you what you need. This is what you need. I'm releasing all of that pent up energy. I'm taking the time to breathe deeply and to focus on you and how you feel right now. And your body rewards you by saying, yeah, let it be free. Get it out. Every breath, every breath, just get it out. And it's biological. And you know, I'm a nerd. And so I love that because a lot of people you know, don't realize how important it is to treat your body right Mm -hmm. and to give your body the attention. We always think, you know, we're just us, right? The brain is controlling everything. But when you give your body what it needs, your brain says, I need a timeout. So you scroll on social media. Mm -hmm. Your brain's like, I don't want to think about this right now. But your body is carrying all of those feelings, all of that stress. And you think that it's gone, but it's really still there. Your body keeps the score. That's a book I read a couple months ago. And it's awesome. You guys should check it out if you want to. Definitely. Yeah. So I love that. That's great. And that's in Brown Girls, that really is such a helpful tool if you're having trouble finding the time and the space to recenter yourself. My cousin sends me meditations 
You know, there's music that will just also help your body, help calm your body and give you the something to listen to, to tune out the rest of the world, because that's my problem. I need literal noise to help me tune it out. If I just sit here as of right now, because this is still a process and I'm still getting used to it right now, it's like I start thinking that if I have silence, I just start thinking and my brain starts going and then I'll say, no, I need to focus, focus on your breath focus on your breathing. And then that works for a couple of seconds and it drifts off again. And then I come back and I'm like, all right, wait, let's do it again. And I keep doing that. But then when I have the music on, it's like, okay, listen to the waves because water very much calms me. Mm-hmm. So I usually listen to waves and I'm like, okay, listen to the waves, relax, breathe in and out with the waves, breathe in and out with the waves. And then I'm able to focus my mind. And it's such a great escape. I think water. So calm. I'm sorry, honey. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I think water like calms so many people, and it's been raining where I've been. Um, so you know, loving it, loving every moment of it. But the thing is, with centering yourself, it's kind of like a sanctuary. It feels like it's safe haven right inside of yourself, so that you can just go sit and rest and be your truest self, and just feel like you're like basking in love you're like walking in their room and it's just like puddles everywhere that's what it feels like to center yourself it's like so calm and peaceful yeah and you know peace is not as common as it could or should be all the time and I feel like you know life is made to stress us out there's always something to stress about there's always one thing that you can find to stress about But it's so important to look for the things that you have accomplished. And that goes back to retraining your thoughts, brown girls, looking for those things, you know, to, as Candace, as Candace says, show yourself the receipts, you know, like find things that are going well. That helps me a lot, like a lot, because when I focus on my accomplishments, big or small, I'm able to feel happy about myself and remember like, you're doing it. You're good. Like you're doing it. You're doing fine. And then that brings calmness to me because, you know, going through life and going through different things, it can be very discouraging and you can easily start to lose your confidence in yourself. And then you might not be comfortable with just being with yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's important to embark on that journey to become comfortable within yourself. Absolutely. If you're not comfortable in yourself, you can't be comfortable anywhere, honestly. Um, but I like that you brought up perspective and how we need to reframe our minds in that way. Because if you are looking for things to be upset about, there will be no shortage. Like you said, life will give it to you if that's what you're looking for. You're looking for something to feel stressed about. And a lot of us are like, oh, no, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be stressed. And it's like, but you look for everything to be stressed about. Do you look for anything to just be at peace with? Consciously, intentionally, do you look at anything to be at peace with? I'm like, this is okay. Because like on my centering walks that I'll take too, I won't take my phone. Um, You can take your phone if you want and just leave it in your pocket. but. I'll just walk around maybe my apartment or just around the town 
and just observe. Don't make any, don't form any judgments about anything. Just like, oh, oh, there's a bee. Okay. And then just keep it going. Just like observe your surroundings. Like, hey, this is actually here. I'm actually here. I can go touch this thing. And it's here. Not a lot of people live in the present like moment. And I'm definitely trying to practice that more often. Ooh, I think that's a topic we need to do. Live in the present. That's something we need to do for another day because that is great. Like most people don't, like you said. And if you're always worrying about yesterday, you're not letting go of all that weight. And if you're always worried about tomorrow, you're so anxious about things you have no control over. But when you live in the present, you're accepting that moment and you're just being with yourself. And that's awesome. And then you can you realize the more you stay in the present is that you can create a lot of your the outcomes in your life. So in this moment, we're in the present, we're, we're here, we realize that we're sitting on the couch, maybe, and you're like, well, in a year, I want to have six pack, and I want to be so toned, you can choose in that present moment to keep sitting on the couch if you're intentional, or you can intentionally say, I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go do this in order to create the future that I want. But if you live in the future or you just live in the past there's not really much creating happening like not very much conscious creating happening in the present moment yeah definitely i love that yeah i do your voice sounds so low right now you just you're talking so smooth I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Yeah? Tell us what I'm you've been up to. to. Ooh, brown girls, I've been up to some great things, you know, going through some things with family, you know, some some solid with some sugar, you know, at the same time. So I want to get the bad news out the way, you know. I have a sister who, you know, is battling some ailments, and... She had a very, very close call recently. And so she's just, you know, we have her in our prayers and, you know, we're just trying to be as positive as possible, you know, and my God is good all the time. And I just have faith that she'll make it out of this one like she has the other ones. So that's some of the salt and then some sugar. I got a great new job opportunity. And so I'm very, very tired. I'm just so tired because I'm in my last week at my current job, which I've been at for the last two years. And now I'm going on to the next thing. You don't sound excited enough for me. Why? You're talking about a brand new job opportunity that you've been wanting for so long. You don't. And now you have it. You have it. It's yours. You literally got the yes. You got the papers, like signatures happen, like it's yours and you're not as exciting as I think you should be. (laughs) Okay. So I may not sound excited right now, but just know that I am because really I'm a planner, right? So it's like when we celebrate our accomplishments, I allowed myself to celebrate the night that I found out. When the person called me and was like, you got the job, I literally screamed, okay? Like, I trust me, okay? I am 
excited. I am very proud of myself. I feel very vindicated. I got a lot of no's and you know, all you need is one yes. And I think this was the right yes. It makes sense. I think God was like, okay, I know you're upset with me, but just wait, you know, it's coming. Like there's a plan. And I'm, now I'm just sitting back like, you right, my bad. I was being impatient, you know, should have had more faith, you know, and I'm just, I'm very, very excited. I really am. But with me being how I am, and now that I've had a couple days to sit on it, I'm in planning mode now because this job has created so much financial freedom already that I'm like about to do one of our topics that's going to come up, but I'm about to really take some time for myself and focus on me. And I'm very excited. Okay. I'm looking at things that I couldn't even think that I could afford a month ago. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to plan this and I'm going to save this. And I'm about to create a budget and all of these things. And that brings me comfort. That brings me happiness. That brings me everything I prayed for. You know, it's just that feeling of accomplishment. I'm very proud of myself. I'm very proud of my accomplishment, but I'm just in planning mode. So I'm sorry if I don't sound excited because I celebrated that night. Like we got lit. Like we got one night's not enough. We don't work this hard to celebrate only for one night, baby. We're trying to celebrate forever. Are you kidding me? I want you to bask in that. Like, yeah, planning, you, it has to happen. Some adulting has to happen. But just relax in that feeling of, oh, my gosh, I did it. Like, I did it. Even when you're tired, you can lay and be like, oh, I did it. Planning mode is going to be Every there. Night. Whatever. But you got to, you tired, baby? But we're going to be excited, okay? Now you're making me want to go to the store and get the champagne to pop. I just didn't feel like cleaning it up. <laughs> no, you're going to pop the champagne. We, I'm going to call you right after we finish recording this. And we're going to go to the store and get some champagne because it's going to be crazy. <laughs> you have to. You have to. I'll open a bottle of wine because I don't have no more champagne. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But you talking about your job is a beautiful segue into what we were talking about today, brown girls. So today is the topic is called think like a man with a question mark. (laughs) Okay. I love that. Tell them why we have the question mark. We have the question mark because... I don't want us going into it thinking that the male perspective is the creme de la creme and what we should be striving for. That's not true. So think like a man, question mark. Are you supposed to be doing that? (laughs) Uh, So first of all, I love the movie Think Like a Man. Okay. However, I feel like Steve Harvey is problematic. So, you know, that's based on his book, The Hero. So, you know, whatever. But I think that this kind of mindset of thinking like a man has got women in a very 
nice place in their professional life or personal life. I think that in a time where women needed to think like like men in order to beat men, you know, you can't you can't beat them all the time, right? So you got to play their game. And that's the thing. I feel like a lot of women they got to learn the game. And once you learn the game, it's over cuz now we're rewriting the game. You know what's funny? Thinking like a man, you say you explain it that way, and I think it's like jumping out of the frying pan and straight into the fire. Because think about Taraji or Lauren, the character Lauren from the movie. She was very successful and powerful, and she was getting all the promotions, and she did a damn good job at what she does. But it kind of was a deterrent for some men because they're like oh well you're too strong for me and when that's another thing it's like how strong is too strong I need to play like you to get what I deserve but when I play like you I am ostracized from some circles could be it could end up really weird it could be in a sticky situation I am definitely Lauren <laughs> from the show because I work really hard and I don't really care to what the outside not the outside world but like men who feel emasculated by my success would feel like I don't really care how upset it makes you and that's not her case well she did touch on that and saying that um men are intimidated by her success and that could be another thing from thinking like a man so her character is actually kind of based on the sapphire stereotype that we see in um, Black history. And the sapphire character is basically rude and obnoxious and overbearing. And a lot of times when Black women speak up, that's how they're perceived, as they're being rude and obnoxious and overbearing. And that comes from slavery. And that also comes from the time where Black women had to do more in the households and had to become providers. Because there was a time where men were providers and women stayed at home. So when they needed women to start working, when women would stand up for themselves, because now they have money, then that means we're equals, right? You're no longer just the provider. And with women saying like, no, I have a voice and I'm going to voice my opinion, it would not be received well, you know, not by, you know, some Black men who had, um, you know, issues with being emasculated, especially after slavery, right? Because you couldn't do anything for your family before you couldn't protect them. And now, you know, here it is, you're quote unquote free and you're supposed to be able to provide. And then, you know, going into Jim Crow, women were at the front of that movement. Okay. And when it came to the civil rights movement, women fueled it. Yes, men may have organized it, but women fought hard. Okay. And even with the suffragette movement, that had nothing to do with black women. Mm-hmm. They didn't fight for black women. Black women were somehow not feminine enough to be considered in there. Mm-hmm. And because black women can speak up and, you know, they can they can fight for not only themselves, but for those around them, they're a threat. 
And so when they do things like that, it's unfeminine. It's like they're acting like a man. It's not like you're acting like somebody who has your own opinion, but you're trying to be a man. And that is unattractive to me. So I loved Lauren's character, okay, because she wore it. But Mm -hmm. I get how men can be intimidated by that, but that's also the man's fault. Because if you can be intimidated, then that means you can't stand on your own feet. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like in relationships, sometimes when women are so strong-minded, they can neglect their partners at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's not a relationship. Nobody wants to be in a relationship with somebody like that. And that's why it's important for your minds your mindsets to be the same in that sense, you know, like we're both trying to be successful. We're both trying to get to this point. And, but as my man, as my partner, as my wife, as whoever, I respect you as that, you get what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And yeah, sometimes work is going to have to come first, but it shouldn't always come first. You know, you should still make time for that person as well. The same way you would expect them to make time for you. I think that, you know, I want you to be independent. I want you to stand on your feet. I want you to also be with someone who can embrace that because you have a lot of people who, you know, they're taking a little more time to get to a certain point and they start to resent you and your success because of that. And if you are an ambitious person, you shouldn't even look at people like that. You shouldn't even, you shouldn't even deal with them because they're going to try to put out your fire and that's not what you want. You want someone that's going to boost your fire and that's going to love your fire. That's going to help you nurture your fire because you're going to do the same for them. But it has to be equal and you have to have that mutual respect for them. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And I like how you brought up in biases. You didn't use the word, but that's exactly what it is. It's biases. We all have them. And there are many different kinds. Like there is an unconscious bias when our brains take in more information than it can process. And then it relies on shortcuts to like simplify the world around us, like including the people and our situations that we go in. So we have unconscious bias and it's very important for us to recognize what our unconscious biases are. And then another um, bias that I see very prevalent in the workplace is the performance bias. And this is where it's based on a deep rooted assumption that women and men's abilities are different. Some people will underestimate a woman's performance and overestimate men's. A lot of people do that actually, and that's a majority of the reasons why women are hired based on their past experiences and past accomplishments and men are hired based on their future potential. It's never looked at in the same way where oh, oh this lady over here has to have 10 years of experience doing this thing and you just came out of college, but I'm going to give you the job anyway because I see something in you and you have a strong worth based on what I saw on your resume. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. What do you think about that? Like um, men's abilities being overestimated, especially in our society. I think that that is absolutely correct but I don't necessarily know if I have witnessed it in my own personal career yet Mm. I fully intend to witness it and to you know see it more 
I definitely expect to see it more now that I'm breaking into the corporate world, but I've previously worked in higher education and my supervisor has been a woman and I've been working closely with all women pretty much. We have not had a male staff member in our office. So while I do work with men from other departments around, I haven't worked with anyone close on my team like that that's been a man. So at this point, I haven't necessarily experienced that, but I'm breaking more into the corporate world. And it has a little bit to do with sales, a lot of customer service, and a lot of leadership. And I remember when I was interviewing, the manager had basically told me like, our company is focused on developing women. Like we are focused on getting more women and then also more women of color in those higher positions that you're going to see. And I liked that, but you know, I feel like sometimes men can overcompensate trying to, you know, make you feel welcome sometimes, but I'm kind of excited just to see, you know, because he made he made sure to make that a point. So I guess we'll just see. Right. Because right. being a woman of color who I know I'm very talented, you know, I'm a 10 out of 10 candidate, you know, like I'm awesome. I'm already knowing that. We'll see. Right. Will my work speak for itself? Because from what I have been told. It's based on your performance. It's based on what you bring to the table. You can get promoted within a couple months. You can get promoted after a year. It depends on you. To me. That's like all I need is space and opportunity, right? Because my work ethic speaks for itself. So we'll see. We'll let you know. (laughs) I think that you have a very unique opportunity to be working with all women. I do not have that opportunity. But I think that's awesome that you get to experience that. And now, like, you got a taste of that. And now you go in the corporate world where you can have a taste of, like, everyone around you, you know? Um, working in STEM is the exact opposite for me. Like I've been in classrooms where I'm one of two girls and the only black one. I've been in situations plenty of times, especially on my team, starting my job. Um, the first two teams that I was on in my job were all men. I was the only woman on it. And I find that very it's not very interesting because it's like in IT it's a lot of women aren't joining they're joining more now um and going forward and I'm really really happy for all the diversity that we're receiving in the field of STEM but we didn't have all of that and even in 2020 now I'm so thankful that I am now on a team that is very diverse we have I think almost equal men and women in all different races and all different areas of the world that they come from, which is a blessing, but not a lot of people have that. And being in the same company, like I said, I've seen it firsthand where I was the only woman and black person in the room. Very uncomfortable, if you guys don't know. But I noticed that one of the biggest obstacles women face in the workplace is the first step up to being manager, that first big promotion. Um, It's so hard 
for women. And how do you think that we can move forward in that CC? Like, how do you think us as women can maneuver that area? What do you what do you project? You see in the future? Well, I can only speak on myself, you know, and I can only kind of speak on my leadership style. Um, I've been in a couple of different leadership positions, you know, I founded my own organization, you know, starting this podcast with you, you know, all of these great things. I've won awards for leadership. Um, I've always been a smooth talker, I guess, you know, I just have a way with words. And, you know, my leadership style is just listening, you know, I feel like in order to be a leader, you have to listen, but you also have to show what you're about. You know what I mean? Show them who you are. Because they'll say, oh, well, yeah, she may be hard, but she pushes numbers and she gets those numbers, right? Or, yeah, she's very, very kind, but she knows how to let you know when you need improvement. Things like that are are important, right? Because when people respect you, it shows them who you really are and where your heart is, right? Like when you're able to communicate that to people, then that's what matters. I think in order to be a good leader, you also have to be compassionate. I think that this is both for men and women. You know, a lot of people look at men who are billionaires or whatever and they're like oh he ate his way to the top like oh he stepped on a whole lot of heads to get there and it's okay but then when women are doing that's like oh she sleeps her way to the top and she didn't really earn it Mm -hmm. and no she couldn't possibly be as good as that man over there Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so obviously you know because you are a, a woman or a black woman, a brown woman, you obviously have to demand the respect from them. You know, you have that big name, correct them every time, right? You Mm -hmm. got that doctorate, you're doctor, whatever. You're not miss, you're doctor. You know what I mean? Like you demand the respect from them without stepping on toes. And it's really easy to do that. You know, it's very easy to politely correct somebody because they're going to remember it. You know, it's not like you got the, oh no, that's not my name, da-da-da. You know, you say, my name is pronounced this way. And I would I would appreciate it if you said it like that moving forward. That's not rude. That's not disrespectful. And they can take it however. And then that's how you get to know who is who around you, who really are intimidated by women and who are not, who respects women and who does not, because you'll be able to tell. And I saw something on Facebook And it was like this girl said, you know, her dad told her anytime that somebody makes like a sexual kind of joke towards her, don't laugh along with it. Say, what do you mean? And act confused. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Why would you say something like that? Because then when people, men specifically, have to explain their little perverted jokes or comments or whatever, it becomes less and less funny Mm -hmm. because they don't know how to explain it. Because normally it's trigger warning rapey and it's weird. And if they have to explain why they think that way, it makes them look terrible. And then that just helps show you who to use as allies and who not to use as allies. Because in order to get to the top, you need allies. You need people 
to boost someone else's confidence in you. You don't know what conversations people are having, right? You never know. And I keep saying it's not what you know all the time. It's who you know. Because I came down to Georgia. I didn't know anything. But I just got to know people. And I have succeeded so much, right? And I always say it's not what you know. It's who you know. So when you have those allies in the office, you have references for Mm -hmm. if you are looking for that next job. You have people that can say, oh, yeah, I worked very closely with her. And she did that. Because you don't have to use your boss as a reference at that point, you know, because what if your boss has bias against you? You have a couple of allies that you work with, one or two, and you're good. Yeah, but the, another thing, when it comes to promotions, you your boss will go around and ask your coworker because they're working closer with you what it's like working with you. And so if you have a good relationship with them, that can help with the promotion process as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the workplace, especially corporate America, Black women, women in LGBTQ or anybody in LGBTQ or women with disabilities face a far greater disadvantage than people who are not. And we are all, we are also less likely to get supported when we are part of any of these groups. Women with like I said, like black women, LGBTQ and disabilities, they face far more discrimination. Like we know, like we see it all the time on Twitter, on Facebook, on everything that you open that is shared with the world. You see all that's going on in the world today with the discrimination and racism. But women in the workplace are far more likely to get judged when they ask a question, be interrupted, be spoken over, your ideas are like stolen, your work is stolen, and slap somebody else's name on it. You know, things like this happen and it's kind of sad. Not kind of, it is sad. Do you have anything to say about it, Cece? I saw your face. I mean, because it's not just men that do that you know, female co-workers who are trying to butt you out also do that because, you know, it's, we're forced to be extra competitive because there are limited slots for us, you know, and I think some companies hire Black women just as a diversity hire, just to boost that they're diverse, but she's just a placeholder. And then when she tries to step out that place, she's basically told that she's not allowed to. I exactly know how it feels to do a whole project and have someone else take the credit for it or it get passed along and your name is taken off of it after it's been passed along to a couple of people. And it sucks. It really, it really, really sucks. So maybe I just had like a trigger moment because it sucks. I really hope that going into this new position, I've already met, you know, some of the people I'll be working with. And I'm really excited. You know, I already feel like I made, you know, great relationships with them already. And first impressions are everything, you know, like they really are. Even if you come in and you're having an off day, unfortunately, we're forced to not show any emotion. Because we're already stigmatized. 
were already a bias in someone else's head. Because if we speak up or say, I'm just not having a good day, it's like, oh, you have RBF. And it's like, I'm just, I'm chilling. Like, I'm just, I'm over here just chilling, you know? I'm being polite. I'm not being rude. You know, I'm not disrespectful. And then it's like, why do I even have to justify just sitting here? Right. Why do we have to be overly excited and overly bubbly and and just in your face in like a happy-go-lucky way for us to not be seen as the angry black girl or the black girl with the attitude over there. It's like, can I just be sitting over here doing my work? I'm a software engineer. I don't like to talk to people. Can I just be over here? Not only that, but I'm a software engineer. I need to focus on this coding. Like I don't have, like coding is so complex and so like deep. Like you you need to focus like the same way that that person needs to be focused on their work. I feel like when we, when we set our mind on goals, we we're focused on that goal. And I think that sometimes is what intimidates people. We're relentless. Mm-hmm. We better so much. We're the most marginalized group. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. They've done some crazy things to us. Crazy. Unbreakable crazy like there was a doctor during slavery that performed like so many experimental surgeries on black women specifically with no anesthesia no pain medication literal torture for the quote-unquote name of science girl what's the name of that lady who they stole her dna to create basically every vaccine that we know today henry adelax gila don't get me started. See, look at you trying to get me started. No, Hila. Let me tell you, when I say that was the most unethical, gross misconduct that science could do. It's like when they injected black people, black men specifically with syphilis in the name of science. What? What, why do you look at us and think that we are experiments? Test dummies. I am not experiment 626, okay? I am not Stitch. I am not Frankenstein. Please tell me, why is that okay? How do you even think that's okay? It's because we're like subhuman to them. Mm -hmm. We're we're close to apes. You know what grinds my gears? When people are like, well, we're testing this new COVID vaccine in Africa. You know freaking what? Why don't you go test it in freaking Wisconsin? Oh, Ohio. Arkansas. Go test it somewhere. Why are you traveling so far to go test it on these helpless people? Because their government is not protecting them. They can be paid off. And that's usually what happens. Or they're offering because a lot of experiments will offer payment. So if you come to me and say, hey, this may protect you and I'll pay you. It's easy manipulation. Easy. Especially when people are in need. Why don't you go to the rich companies that can invest? Right? Why not go to them? Why not go to Walmart and say, hey, if you help me fund this and help fund this experiment 
this could potentially be a payout. You have more to benefit from that, no? Or is it because of liabilities and you don't want to test on people that look like you? And it's easy for people to deject the idea of submitting lower class African people. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I just, I'm getting so frustrated just thinking about it. I don't understand how you could look at someone and say, you're not worthy of rights. You're not worthy of full consent. You're not worthy of a translator sitting here going through everything. You're not aware of the fine print. You're not worthy of it. And I always said, I hate if people lie to me because it feels like you think I'm unworthy of the truth. Why? That's a deeper meaning behind it. And not a lot of people, especially the ones doing it, think about it that way. They're like, oh, well, I never said they weren't worthy of these rights, but you didn't read it to them. So what exactly were you saying? You intentionally withheld the truth from them so that you can perform these experiments because you know if you tell them the truth they will say no why are you removing their ability to say no that grinds my gears give people the choice yes give me the choice give me the choice to make my own decision give me all the information that's why black people be like who all over there I need to know who over there before I come into any type Period. of situation. I need to know what I'm getting myself into because mm, I don't like Kiki from down the street and I'm not coming over there because I got beef with her. Or it's just like, I don't want, this is not the kind of tribe I want to hang out with right now. I'm going to hit me up next time and let me know who's on the guest list right? before I can tell you if I'm coming. Yeah. I'm really and like that's that. it. Because, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm never going to invite you somewhere and just have some surprise people pop up. Like, I'm going to let you know. I mean, just as a courtesy. Hey, just so you know, I invited so-and-so. You cool with that? All right, cool. I'll see you later. Or you're not? Okay. You want to hang out a different time? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And I feel like when you withhold the truth, you have to know something's wrong why not tell the truth Mm -hmm. right and then when you're a scientist I don't know all the ethics for science but I know ethic for experiments from from like a methodical point of view you have to disclose information pertinent information to the people that you are experimenting on no matter how big or small. But think about it. As a people, do you even read the terms and conditions when you sign up for something? Listen, girl, I rarely do. I read the terms and conditions probably 2% of the time. Like 98% of the time, I'm like, eh. You just clean. As long as they're, hopefully they're not trying to take my soul. Like, (laughs) hopefully that's not what I just agreed to. And it's crazy because I work in IT. Like, you're supposed to read those things because the things we can do with your data. And most of us just be giving it away for free, for the freebie. Like, there's literally, it's like we're giving Facebook the permission to sell our data 
to companies that just want it to also market to us products to buy or things to see, things to watch, places to go, all of those things. But also the, what is it called? Big Brother? The government agency that keeps an eye on us. Like, mm-hmm. you you want to know why all software engineers, most of us cover our cameras on like our laptops or anything. But it's because we know how easy it is for someone to just check in with you mm-hmm. without you even knowing. That mm-hmm. hey, they're looking at you through your camera. I'm not trying to make you guys paranoid. If you have some sort of anxiety about this thing, I am so sorry. Chances are nobody's looking for you. Like nobody's checking for you. No, the government aren't checking for you unless you're doing something illegal. Okay, don't do nothing illegal. They won't be checking for you. <laughs> uh, we just went off on the biggest tangent um at my job we call it squirrel moments because it's like oh squirrel (laughs) you used to say that in honors english really yeah i forgot oh shoot yeah you're right we used to say that yeah she used to be like y'all are so smart but y'all have the most random squirrel moments. It takes one person and the whole room is in a frenzy. It takes mm-hmm. one person to make a noise or do something. And then once that happens and everybody's focus is like, you know, snapped away for a second. <laughs> then that's usually when it happens. Okay. You know, it's crazy. Uh, like, it's like a full circle moment for me. Because like today, randomly, my manager, like, it's the director, the actual guy that hired me, that my hiring manager said it like, oh, let's go in some squirrel moments. Like, or like, this is a squirrel moment or something. And I was like, oh, shoot, that's funny. And then now you just reminded me that I heard it in honest English. Yes. Oh, that class was interesting to say the least. But think like a man. I feel like that itself is problematic. But I think for some people, that's the only way they know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of words are are synonymous with men: strong, determined, ambitious, independent. You know, vocal. It's okay for a man to raise his hand. Let me tell y'all something. I have lived a pretty sheltered adult life, and I'm gonna go ahead and just say that because I went to an all women's college. I forgot men existed a lot of the time. Okay, <laughs> like. We obviously had men who worked at the college in different positions and everything, but the president of the college, a woman, (laughs) the newest president, woman, most of the deans, women, (laughs) like, you know who the male dean is or the male VP is the VP of business and finance, which is also another glass ceiling right because that just shows how men mostly dominate the stem field when it comes down to it you know women do education social affairs you know consulting communications marketing there's so many other things you know that we do but I just think that's funny right because it's a whole cabinet of women and then there's just one man and he's business and finance and I think, you know, when it comes down to it, it's more so that's just how people see it. You're acting man-like. You're act, You're trying to be 
a man, you know, and even like Rosie the Riveter, anything you can do, right? Like I can do better. Like I can do it. We can do it. But you know, it's crazy. Our generation, it's not really crazy. I just really am very happy with us in some aspects. We're tearing down all those foundations that our parents and their parents built before us. We're like, wait, why do I have to do that? And why can't I do that? And I want to do it. So I'm going to do it. You know, I love that. I love that we're like pushing for the things that we actually want to do. And we're so not sorry about it. I love it. My dad called me brash. Do you know the definition of brash? Define brash. I'm about to I'm about to define it for you. Brash means self-assertive in a rude, noisy, or overbearing way. Strong, energetic, irrelevant. Like, that's what he called me, right? Let me just tell you something. I laughed. I laughed. And I said, well, why did you send me to college if you didn't expect me to be brash in your eyes? But not only that. Why is me sticking up for myself brash? You just disrespected me. You just said something that was very, like prior to him calling me brash, he had said something that was very misogynistic and rude. It was something along the lines of women will never be as good as men or something like that. And I'm like, dude, you have three daughters and a wife. How could you ever fix your mouth to even say that, right? So then I said, okay, dad, so let me just, let me just ask you this, right? Because, you know, I'm lesbian, right? But I did date guys at one point because, you know, that was a whole nother thing when I was in the closet, blah, 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 blah. But so you're saying if I'm in a relationship with a man, right? And this is literally what he said to me, brown girls. Like, this is literally what came out of his mouth. I said, dad, so do you think that if I were to marry a man, I should let him make all the decisions and not have an opinion in it and not speak my mind up in fear that I'm going to emasculate him. He said, see, if you marry a man, I don't care if you're the main provider and you bring all the money into the house. He should have the last say so of any decision in the house because he is the man of the house. And I said, so you're telling me that even if I pay all the bills, and the car he's driving, I'm paying for. And the food we eat, I'm paying for. He is going to be the end-all, be-all. So if he says, I want a new car with the money that you're making, I have to get him that new car. He said, yes, that's your man. That's how God wanted it. <gasps> Pause. I know you had that gasp and I see your face. This is coming from the man that never took us to church even on Easter. What are you telling? Why, why are you trying to tell me about God? You met my dad, Candace. Go ahead. Speak your Child, mind. Speak your mind. What in the ever-loving mansplaining is that? So then when I was like, no, that's wrong. And, you know, if you feel emasculated by a woman being successful, then you're not a man. Because no man could be emasculated by a successful woman unless he's not a man and he has the mentality of a boy. And that's what I said to him. And because I said that, I'm brash. 
homeboy, you just told me I'm never going to be as good as a man that, and basically, no matter how independent I am, you want me to bow down to a man. I love how men say women are emotional. Because that what you said wasn't even that crazy. And he's like, well, you're brash, and now my feelings are hurt. Right. you said something back to me. What? Shut up. <laughs> like, be quiet. Please. <laughs> And then I feel like that brings me to the next point. Men are paid so much more money than women. Mm-hmm. They can have the same amount of degrees, the same work experience, the same everything, but they will still get paid more. Is it because of that potential you talked about? I think so. I think it's because they're paying men at the potential that they see them at instead of where they actually are. And whereas women, there's like, oh, well, I mean, this is what's left over. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's probably not what they're saying. But um, I think men are paid more because of the potential, like the potential that the hiring person sees in them. And it's usually based on a bias, not because of the truth. I also hear, you know, and I've heard this from a couple of different career sites and things, different recruiters, that women don't attempt to negotiate their salaries as much. That's also true. That is also true. And I think that's because we don't want to seem ungrateful and we don't want to seem like we're kind of trying to push, push our luck in a way right because what if you are the diversity hire and you're just really grateful to have a job right or what if what if you're um a darker skinned brown woman because discrimination happens on the shade of your skin as well it goes deeper like it's quicker for people to say a darker brown woman is being aggressive for some reason it's like the darker your skin, the more, and I, I don't say this like in offense to any of my brown skin girls because I love y'all for real. I'm just telling you from a historical background and where it came from and like how it was seen and how that's kind of perpetuated throughout, you know, over the decades. But it seems more animal-like, more gorilla-like, which is how a lot of white people looked at brown and black people especially, you know, our African ancestors. Their skin was dark to protect them from the sun. We all know that the shade of skin is really determined on, you know, climate and blending into your surroundings and things and protection from your surroundings. But a lot of the time they thought because they spoke a different language they lived in different structures. They had different rituals and practices. The words that they used to describe, you know, our ancestors were apes and savages and monkeys and all of these things. Like I had a friend be called a porch monkey. And that is just, yes. And so, you know, that came, you know, around... It was obviously after, you know, slaves were, quote unquote, freed and whatnot. And, you know, those were the black people that, according to them, just sat on the porch and they were porch monkeys. 
They just did nothing but sit on the porch all day. And I hate it because it's still perpetuated this long after, right? So much so that people really believe it. And you could see it in people bleaching their skins, just mainstream media, who you see on magazine covers. Beautiful, dark-skinned people are edited to look lighter, to look more appealing. So different shades of black and brown women face different levels of discrimination. It's so much easier for them to offend somebody when they're not even doing anything. They're just being themselves. And that is something that we need to work on. We need to keep building up all of each other, you know, like we need to keep being there for each other, giving them the tools, teaching them how to negotiate. Don't negotiate based on feelings, you know, not I feel like I I think that I should be. No, I need to be paid this amount because of this, this and this. Mm -hmm. Don't bring feelings into it, make enough just about business, all about business. Right. So I would say put down your skills and all your past experiences and all the jobs you used to have in the past on a piece of paper and see what someone with those skill sets would be paid. Check out your potential and everything like that and sell that to the people hiring you. But at the end of the day, when employees feel like they have an equal opportunity to advance and they think that the system that they work in is fair, they are happier with their career and they're more likely to stay with the company that hires them. So don't sell yourself short, brown girls. Negotiate for a higher salary if that's what you want and that's what you believe you deserve. And search out those companies that will value you as an employee. What do you have to say, C? I agree with everything you just said. And remember to be yourselves. If they can't accept you for you, then you don't have to squeeze yourself into that mold that they created. If you are too big for it, meaning you are just above it, don't settle for it. Something better is coming. And you deserve the next better thing. At the end of the day, like Candace said, when companies truly value their employees, you'll see it and you'll feel it. And you'll know, you'll see if there's a glass ceiling. And it's your choice if you want to break through it or if you want to go to a job that may not have the glass ceiling and they completely believe in lifting up not only black and brown employees, but black and brown women who are in their company. And fingers crossed that, you know, my current company, well, my new company is going to be just like that because <laughs> I'm trying to be a management, y'all. <laughs> oh, congrats again, my love. I am so proud of you. Yeah, we're about to go get the champagne now. We got to pop it. We got to yep. celebrate. Champagne. I already got my wine, girl. So whenever you ready, just let me know. And, and on that note, brown girls, we will talk to you next week. In peace, power, and so much love. I'm Ciara. And I'm Candace. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.